Celebration Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. family, welcome back to the episode 6 of this season on Ministering to the List of These. Today we listen again to my friend Michael Richards from Queensland, Australia, who is at the moment canvassing in the US. So Michael, if you're listening to this, I know you do. Hello. During this week's ideas, we will reflect on two aspects, valid reasons to worship God and the link between worshiping God and ministering to those in need. And once again, we have Catalina from the Connected Adventist Podcast. So, Catalina, how is it going for you today, this early in the morning again? Good. Okay. I'm doing better. I'm doing better. <laughs> You're doing better? Okay. That's good. You're getting back into the routine of being at home, so that's good. That helps, I think. Sleep was better too, so that always helps. Good, good. So, Catalina, our first pointer today is valid reasons to worship God. So... We are not going to reflect on the existence of God because I think this topic could lead to that. Uh, however, I would like us to rather reflect on the premise that God does exist. So we're going to take it from the idea that he does exist. And from this point, just think about valid reasons to worship God. So have you ever sat down to think uh, about valid reasons as to why you actually worship God? I don't think I have. I think it's just something that has grown and I would compare it to like when you're in a relationship like I don't think I sit down and reflect as to why I love my husband mm -hmm. as opposed to it has something that just has grown and has as you know we've cultivated that and obviously with time and experience you know that the depth of that love grows it changes it looks mm -hmm. very different to what it was before um so mm -hmm. i don't think i've actually sat down and said oh these are the reasons why i i worship god why okay. i love god and why i follow god i i have sat down to think about it i i have come to a conclusion that i worship god because he he is god because it makes sense mm -hmm. that if he is god if god exists um he should be worshiped uh, also because he created me, because he loves me. I, I also have come to the conclusion that I worship him because he made a place for me to live, you know, like it says in the Bible, because he has given me a plan. And I actually have seen his plan for me over the years. It's not that, um, it's not mm -hmm. fluffy. It actually, I can see concretely how he has led me through various avenues, like this podcast, for example. Uh, and I think a large part of it is for my own benefit and my my eternal salvation. And I appreciate that. I feel that he is a very just God. He gave us those Ten Commandments, that blueprint, those principles, I guess. And I think that makes it fair play. One thing, though, and I think this is one thing that brings really the point of the lesson. I don't know if you noticed all of the things that I mentioned as to why I have sat down to worship God are related to myself. It's all about me, mm. me myself and I. And the lesson brings something that caught my attention because the lesson points the idea that God is worth worshiping because of everything else that he does for everybody else as well. So yeah. worshiping God because he loves other people, because he ministers to other people. We talk about a couple of weeks back about his mercy and his justice. He watches over strangers. His righteousness falls over every single person. And 
that in itself is worth worshiping. But I never thought of that. I never thought that, hey, you know, he's a good God. He deserves my worship because he goes beyond anything that I could ever be right now, right here. Have you ever thought about that idea, worshiping God because of what he does to other people? Not until we we went through it with the lesson. I really appreciate the way that they have just put it together in the sense that it is trying to get us to think outside the square and it's mm -hmm. trying to get us to think outside the me, myself and I. Mm, um, yeah. Because I think unless we can look outside of that, we are going to be stuck in the same place where we have been as a denomination and maybe as individuals for a really long time. And we will continue to live our faith and live our religion as we have for the past, you know, however many years. And so I really appreciate that aspect because when we have a look at God's treatment on everyone, that like his character is the same with everyone, with those that believe in him, those that profess to be Christians, as well as for those that don't. And the consistency of his character is really important for us to understand so that we can have that same consistency in our Christian walk. And it was like my eyes were opened mm. to a totally different understanding once the lesson took it in that direction. And I, I thought it was it was really smart. It was definitely spirit-led. And I think it's valid. I, I think when you think about it, at the very logical level, at the very existential level, it makes sense that we focus on God at some point in time about because of what he does for us. In order for Christianity to be as personal as it can be, in order for it to be transforming in the way that it can be, I think we need to have that maybe selfish focus initially. We need it to be what we experience with God. I think it does have mm. to be very personal. It has to be very personal, yeah. specific to us. What has God done for me? Mm -hmm. What has God demonstrated for me? So that is part of having a really solid, deep Christian walk mm -hmm. is that, yeah, we can see God, his hand, we can see his presence in our lives personally, but then there is a greater depth. Like we talked about the Sabbath, you know, that there's so much to the Sabbath that the more that we can embrace it, the more that we can understand it and the more that we can allow it to be what the Sabbath is intended in, in God's perfect ideal, mm -hmm. we'll see it totally different. And I feel that as we see God and the way that he works with us, and then when we can take that out and branch out and see how God works in other people's lives, the beauty of his character um, on so many levels, then I think it's just going to give us a deeper, deeper understanding and, and the experience that we will have will be so much deeper. Yeah. It has to start from, from having a personal relationship, a personal communion with him. We cannot do otherwise. We, we cannot go and minister to other people unless we have that. So, and we have established at least, Catalina, that it surpasses my own expectations of who God is, which is really good. It talks about my limitedness. Now, let us think about, let's go back to the basic idea of worship, right? When you think of worship, mm -hmm. what does actually come to your mind? When we say the word worship, I think mm -hmm. it just means us singing yeah. or it just means us being at church on Sabbath. Right. I think if we're realistic, I think when you say, oh, you know, how was worship? Mm -hmm. Usually it's connected to those two things, you know. Um, yeah. I believe that sometimes we don't see worship as something outside of the church building or outside of people singing. Uh, so mm -hmm. I do believe that we probably have this idea of a very limited idea of what worship actually means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, at home, when in the morning, when we call our girls to the worship, it's back to that churchy-like uh, style, which what we do is we sing, we read the devotional, we might throw in a couple of memory texts that we feel impressed to share with each other. We pray. 
great and we say god bless each other and we hug each other and we off we go similar to what happens in church but in the mini format at home i think what my guilds think when i say what is worship they probably will think about these practical aspects so this is the thing when we think about this lesson israel in israel's storyline they were doing all these things they will show up to church on sabbath they will bring their tithes and offerings they do sabbath school they participate of the communion feasts etc 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 but the reality is that god knew these were forms and they did not really reflect yeah. who he was so once the person mm -hmm. were, were out of, of the temple, they were back to their own devices. Similar to we sit in worship and then off they go and the next thing they might be fighting about something, right? They might be arguing about something. Mm -hmm. Or similar in church, you know, we're okay in church, but as soon as we leave church, something else goes through our mind. You know, we hit the podlock instead of thinking of mm -hmm. the sermon, we think about, you know, oh, I need to fix the car, or I need to do something for work, or I need to mow the lawn tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Is that your experience? What, what do you think? We do family worship and my young so Naomi, she is eight. So we will read a story. And I, I share this story because I feel that sometimes we can become like that as Christians. Sometimes um, we'll, we'll read a Bible story and let's say it's about Noah and the flood. And we'll say to the girls, they're like, all right, so what did you learn about that story? And Naomi will be like, God is love. And I'll be like, oh, okay. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, how did you see that God is love in the flood? Well, because the Bible tells us. And I'm like, Okay, but how did you see that, you know, God is love in the flood? Like it's 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 a little, it's a hard situation to really see God's love, but how did you see it? She's like, because Jesus died for us. <laughs> so she has these like one-liners that yeah. are just so, have just become routine. It just has become a ritual. The answer must be that God is love. The mm -hmm. answer must be that Jesus saves. The answer must be that the word is our guide. Mm. And I think sometimes in our worship, we can become the same way. I mm. know for me personally, even with personal devotions, let me just get up and read my Bible because that's what we do and that is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I know where my heart is. I know that I would be happy to just be rolling in bed and just you know pressing snooze button again but i think when we really see the depth of what worship is when we have a look like through the old testament when people were giving vi like victory over a battle or something you know they would create they'd have they'd make an altar mm -hmm. they would make a sacrifice they would have like that that personal time of gratitude for mm -hmm. god giving them the victory and i feel that if we were to have a look at our christian walk in the same way mm -hmm. if we were to create like a spiritual altar have a special time of gratitude mm -hmm. when we have battles and god gives us the victory in mm -hmm. every second of every day mm -hmm. i think that is what worship is worship mm -hmm. is truly acknowledging the work that god is doing in our lives the victories that he gives us and also the moments of insights where god shows us hey you know why you guys are wretched blind and miserable and you guys mm. are naked mm. um even those moments of revelation where we see ourselves like you said you know you realize that the reason why you worship god is all for you mm. i believe also that when we can get to a point where we can worship god and just give him the recognition that he deserves for the work that he's doing in us mm. and through us then i believe that that is worship i think yeah. that is acknowledging the work that god is doing in us and also the work that god is doing mm. for us this point brings me to that idea of your favorite chapter of the Bible, Isaiah 58. The message in Isaiah 58 is similar to what was mentioned in, in this week's lesson in relation to what Jesus said to the Pharisees, who forgot the most important matters of the law, which were being justice, mercy, and faithfulness. They were mm. just focusing on the forms, mm. the one-liners, like you said. The, I have a set of suits that I wear on Sabbath, a set of shoes that I wear on Sabbath. I don't wear them any other time. All these traditions and forms, and they were good at that. 
And the same thing we see, uh, we mentioned in last week's lesson about the prophets crying out over and over again about the same thing. And we see it also in, in the book of Amos. And I would like to read this text because it brings that um, line into a bit of more um, mm -hmm. specific. It's in Amos chapter 5, verse 21 to 24. And it says, I hate I despise your feast days. So this is God talking. And I do not savor mm. your sacred assemblies. So it's like saying, you know, I, I, I do not like you worshiping Jinjin Church or whatever you're sitting, whatever you're listening. Why not? It makes me sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me sick. And, and then God. he says, though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your string instruments. But that instead lets justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. So I hear God saying, all of these things that you do, you know, I know that I instituted them. I know they're good, but I don't like them because I know what's inside. When you get out of this place, mm -hmm. you know, you're still oppressing the poor. You're not feeding the hungry. You're not visiting the people in jail. You're not showing grace and mercy to the people who offend you and have hurt mm -hmm. you. You're still in mm -hmm. your rotten heart condition and you're, you like living like that. I cannot accept what you bring over. That scares me a lot. And, uh, and, and the seriousness of this, of, of this idea, of this condition. When I read this verse, when we have a look at the conservative or the committed perspective to this verse, mm -hmm. I feel it's very easy for us to distort it. And there's a point there that it brings up righteousness. Mm -hmm. And for those who do come from that, you know, very conservative type background, sometimes we can say, it, oh, it's because, you know, see, the church is in apostasy. That's why, mm -hmm. you know, God despises the worship and God despises, you mm -hmm. know, what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But when we have a look in terms of what righteousness means, mm -hmm. it means that we have the character of Christ. Right. It means that our will is surrendered to God's will. Mm -hmm. So I do want to add that little bit because I think sometimes we can read certain verses and yeah. we can use it to totally support our way of thinking of, oh, it's because, you know, the, the type of music that they have at that church, that's why mm. God despises it. No, it probably has more to do with the condition of the heart of that church. Mm. Um, it hasn't okay. got, it has nothing to do with the outward forms. It has mm -hmm. to do more with the inward form. So I definitely want to make that connection that with the righteousness here that it, the Bible refers to, righteousness in the full sense is not just abiding to the law. It's not simply following and keeping mm -hmm. the commandments. It's not simply that we do this at the right time and we mm -hmm. and we sing the right songs or we wear mm -hmm. the right clothes or we watch the right things. Righteousness in the full sense is being covered in Christ's righteousness, but then also having a desire in our heart to seek after what God mm -hmm. would seek. Um, and when we have a look in the context of this lesson, that involves all of God's character, not just his righteousness and his justice, but it also involves the fact that he is merciful and he's gracious and he is long-suffering. So that that I really believe is really important that we can do all the outward stuff, but unless we have the righteousness of Christ and unless we are seeking for God to give us that desire and to give us a heart like his heart, mm -hmm. then everything else that we do, regardless of whether we eat or we don't eat, whether we dress a certain way or we don't, it's still going to be of no use to him. Mm -hmm. It's still going to make him sick in the gut mm -hmm. um, because we do all this stuff and we think that that's what he wants. No, mm -hmm. he actually wants us to have a heart that is like his. Good point. And I think here we could transition on something. Let me read to you a verse which might have resonance with what you're saying. The reality is we cannot minister to those in need unless we have what you just mentioned. 
our motives cannot change unless we have that personal connection with him, unless we get to know him, unless we get to embrace what he has to bring for us. Second Corinthians 3.18, and it says, But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is where Sister Wild, you know, in the Spirit of Prophecy, talks about by beholding we become changed. Here's the thing. Have you ever been peer pressure, Catalina? I'm going to give you examples, but I'm, I am going to clarify. And we meant we talked about this before we started record, recording last episode, mm -hmm. that sometimes it's not necessarily peer pressure, but it's just fitting in. Like someone mm -hmm. didn't have to hold a cigarette up to your face and you had to try it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just, oh, everyone else is smoking. Let, uh, let me try it. It's okay. not necessarily always like forced on you. Mm -hmm. so um, it's so very I'm passive. Give you one example. I call it passive peer pressure. I feel that... Um, <laughs> yeah. You you want to fit in within within your peers. They're not saying, "Hey, you're a chicken, just smoke it." It's like, "Hey, you know, we are doing it. We're yeah. not pressuring you." And that's what happens in the cultures today a yeah. lot of the time. Young people, people these days, especially in our millennial cultures and and, and younger, they're not going there. Oh, do it, do it, do it. Most people don't. They just mm -hmm. we fall into it. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So, so when I share this, I'm not going to say it as in they forced me to do this, more so the fact that I wanted to just fit in. That yep. was my, that was on me. That was mm -hmm. my insecurity. That was my need to belong. And oh, obviously, let me not go into all my trauma, but um, that, that was just an area. So there, I went to, um, my parents are Catholic. They still are Catholic by name kind of thing. So I went to a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. So it was a private school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously there's there's a very high standard and there's a lot of stuff that they, you know, they control you down to how you wear your bow, where you put your, your pins and your badges, uh, the color, of the length of your socks. The, like it's very, you know, they, they really make sure that you keep up to the standard. So. Mm -hmm. One day, my friends decided that they wanted to pierce their nose. So I would have been like <laughs> 11 or 12. Uh-huh. And we all had like badges, school badges that had our name on them. And, and you either wore it on your collar or you were able to wear them on your tie. Anyway, one day, four or five of us went into the, the, the bathroom, the toilets in the school. Mm -hmm. And they were like, let's try and pierce our nose with the pins of our badges. Oh, no. And oh. I'm like... That's a little whatever. Anyway, so here we are. There's like four or five of us in the in the toilet block and we all have our badge pins and mm. we're just trying to stick it through our nose to pierce our noses. So anyway, some of them managed to get through a bit of skin. I was a little weak and I didn't make it through the skin, but I remember... Some other kids walked in and they obviously told the teachers. And anyway, right. all of a sudden, before we know it, we're all being taken to the principal's office. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, like, I, I, I still visually remember this. So here's the principal and she's, like, bending our noses to try and see whether she can see where we've put this pin through our nose. So thankfully, I didn't get it through the skin, so I didn't get in trouble. I was seen as, oh, you didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, but then my other three friends, they, they did actually penetrate through the skin and got it a little bit far. Um, so that was one situation where I was like, okay, that was so not smart. Mm, um, yeah. But they never said to me, come pierce your nose. It was just me purely like, oh, we're all doing that. Okay, let me join in. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, situations like that, and I would, and I wanted to find like you know an example of it today. Probably my example of it today would be more maybe within the church environment. I feel okay. that you know outside of the church, I'm I, I'm very good, and by God's grace, I'm very strong to just you know that's not what I do. That's that's I, I don't have an issue standing out like that. But maybe within the church, I probably feel that within maybe when there's. Um, discussions that are starting to get a bit more about gossip. It's not mm -hmm. really 
affirming anyone. It's not really building anyone up. I sometimes fall into that trap of like, oh, yeah, and and then they did this, you know. That's Mm -hmm. probably where I feel that I succumb to what everyone else is doing. Not that everyone pressures it. No one Mm -hmm. forces me to talk bad about people, but that's probably a scenario where I looked at as an adult Mm -hmm. and said, you know, sometimes that's that's something that I do succumb to within. Yeah. Yeah. In my childhood, in my teen years uh, i'm not going to talk about those no not now uh you know fall into the pressures of smoking lustful vices and things like that by the grace of god i'm out of it i was never told hey if you don't do it you're a chicken or you are not part of the group mm-hmm. it was more of a passive pressure of fitting in of being well received and it's such a lie in the sense that nobody told me if you don't do it you're not fitting in or we don't want you uh, they were good friends mm-hmm. which yeah. is, i just happen to think that yeah. that's that's a, the psychology of social pressures but let me share with you mm-hmm. a recent one because this happened like literally last week it's interesting eh? because it's again just falling for these pressures of of just fitting in something of not wanting to say no perhaps it's that lack of assertiveness which can fall borderline with peer pressure and, and so uh, as you know and many of our listeners might know i'm a psychologist i work in clinical practice and i recently attended a suicide prevention conference and i came and we checked into this very fancy you know kind of those five-star hotels i flew in with a colleague and as we checked in we were going to our respective rooms and before we departed to go to our rooms he asked me hey you know are we meeting for breakfast at the restaurant next day in the morning and i honestly didn't know where to go uh, because I didn't want to pay. And I felt the pressure to agree, and so I attended. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is the thing. Mm-hmm. The first morning, I was there regretting that I had to pay $50 to eat at a breakfast every mm-hmm. morning. Well, that mm-hmm. morning, and guess what? The next day, I mean, he asked me, are we meeting for breakfast again the next day? So it was going to be repetitive. But as I sat on breakfast that's that first day, I was feeling uncomfortable. I was thinking about it. I, I, it wasn't sitting well with me. The second day, however... I did not even think about the charge anymore. And I attended more freely because after mm-hmm. all, every other person coming to the conference almost was there. And I feel pressure that this is the thing that we do. So my level of comfort increased as the day went by, despite the fact that I had to mm-hmm. forecast so much money and the food was all right, but it wasn't anything that, you know, was heavenly. So when I think about that, I mean, it's not the same as when I think of you know, the King Herod, when he succumbed to the pressure of killing John the Baptist. But uh, we do have these little things and these pressures. And here's the thing. Mm. Have you mm. ever experienced a time when you have been either actively or passively peer pressure, like we talked about, and you felt very uncomfortable about it? But then as the time went by, the behavior not only became easier, but you might have enjoyed it. So for a very long time, I didn't. we didn't own a TV. Um, and yeah, so we, our TV till today is only connected to, um, the satellite to so 3ABN, mm-hmm. Hope and Amazing Discovery. So that's all that we watch. But, mm-hmm. um, I've just recently, my, my stepdad has given me access to his Netflix account. All right. And so in, in my head, I'm like, okay, like, I'm like, let's what do I do with this power? Let's make sure that I <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> and I've never been a binger. I've never been someone that was big on TV anyway. So I feel that I have the upper hand to what maybe someone else would. So mm-hmm. obviously I don't recommend anyone go get Netflix because they think that it's going to work out like it has for me. But 
there was this 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 battle that had to go on and i remember i'm like okay this is the things that i'm going to watch i'm going to watch documentaries like real life documentaries that are obviously wholesome i'm going to watch things that either have to do with health so that it can just help with my knowledge with regards to health um and then i'll see what is in the christian so obviously the first day i get on there I'm like, wow, there is so much stuff. I'm like, so then it increased to like, oh, and I'll watch stuff about architecture and interior design because that's obviously what what my career was um, before I mm-hmm. became a mother. Um, so I, I realized I started increasing <laughs> the mm-hmm. stuff, the content that I was going to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I began watching uh, random things. And then there was just one day where I'm like, okay, let's let's watch something, you know, something that's a little funny. Mm-hmm. So I got mm-hmm. into watching a show that was like a comedy. Mm-hmm. And you know, honestly, as I'm clicking onto the program, I was mm-hmm. like, mm, this wasn't part of the boundaries that I had said. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, this is how I'm going to use it and this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to watch. And I realized I was stepping over that boundary. Mm-hmm. And as I began to watch it, it just was like, oh, see, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. I can watch these kind of programs. Sure. And then there was just a moment where I was like, no, I can't. Like, I can't. And, you know, it would have probably lasted like 10 minutes. And then I'm like, no. Nope. So then in my head, and this is based on mine, so obviously not criticizing or being judgmental of anyone that does watch comedy and all that other stuff on Netflix. But for me, I had set those boundaries because I knew that this was like opening a door that I don't know if I could actually really control. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was with, but it was, that was a 10 minute situation, but I can give you other situations, but I think. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Heavy fair. We never start going out there i mean it depends on where you are we all have a baseline and from that baseline we have boundaries that we think that we have strict and you you do and we all have them but as you start trying testing we go out of them quite easily and slowly last quarter we we talked about relationships and one of the questions that i made to our listeners is does anybody in the right mind will go out to worship satan and I don't think anybody will put their hand no. up and say, yeah, I will do and I will go and worship Satan. Nobody does. I mean, nobody in the right mind. I mean, there was there might be some people who do that. And I'm not saying that uh, doing the Netflix, going for a 50 buck breakfast every day is worshiping Satan. Uh, what I'm saying is that mm-hmm. we slide through very slowly. And this is exactly what was happening to the people of Israel. So last week we studied how the prophets mm-hmm. were crying, wailing, and getting angry, getting frustrated, getting mm-hmm. whatever, you know, over and over and over again about how they were backsliding and falling away from the practices that they were copycatting from the pagan neighbors. And this is the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. As they beheld them, they became changed. So as they worship other things yeah. than God, the God of the Bible, omnipresent, omniscience, omnipotent, all his kindness, his love, his mercy, they were focusing on something else. Mm-hmm. and anything else mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with God, they started to become like that. Mm-hmm. And it is very hard to think of yeah. this because it sounds very rigid, but uh, the Bible says that there is only two paths. I mean, there is many there is many ways to come to the two paths, but there is only two, right? So if I'm not worshiping God, I'm worshiping something else. And it's, this is a hard thing uh, really to, to accept, I think, in Christianity. But that's what was happening to the people. I, I cannot imagine them, you know, openly going and sacrificing their children first go they probably were doing very mm. little things until they came to the point yeah this is what we need to do because you know um we need to appease god or whatever god that was and probably babe mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and so what would you consider the answer or part of the answer to practically exercise social justice the way god intends because as we go in the other way we already established that 
we need to worship God. We need to have a relationship with God for us to have this desire, this motivation to be able to be like him. But if we don't do that, we <laughs> cannot really bring God's righteousness into anything that we do. I mean, anybody can go prepare a <laughs> Vegemite sandwich and go and bring it to a homeless person. Not everybody does. But yeah. bringing them with the right motive, and next week we're going to study about that. I, mm -hmm. I would like to invite everybody who listens to come back for next week because we'll study about motives. But if we bring them without Christ, maybe the, its effectiveness will be very, very small. Maybe our worship won't be to God, it will be to something else. Maybe our motives to do things will be different. And I'm not here to judge anybody, I'm just thinking mm -hmm. about myself here. So what do you think will be the answer to be Christ-like? Depending on who we associate, by beholding, we become changed. Right. And we know that scientifically, psychologically, research has proven that who the five core people that we associate with, they are going to influence us. And generally, we will do the things that they do. We will eat the, the food that they eat. We will do, you know, our mind will be very similar, molded in a similar way to what they do. And I, I can totally vouch for that. And I have a lot of people in my life who are very fit focused, like they focus on exercising and, you know, looking out for their weight. And that has an impact on me, whether I agree with it or not, mm -hmm. um, and whether I want to admit it or not, it does. It does make me more conscious about, am I exercising regularly? Am I eating the healthiest? Mm -hmm. Am I at my ideal weight? Yeah, subconsciously has an impact on us. So I would encourage people, um, and obviously that I came from a very, you know, committed reform mentality mm -hmm. that was all that we thought about it was all about the next reform can we be stricter can we be more can <laughs> can we restrict this even more can we mm -hmm. make ourselves even holier so i believe that in order for us to be really like christ i think it is important for us to really assess where we are at in our mm -hmm. spirituality if we feel that we don't do a lot of um acts of kindness mm -hmm. maybe try and find someone who does and try and connect with them on a deeper level. If you know that there is someone that does work for the homeless, make the effort to connect with them and say, hey, do you do, mm. you know, do you go and do volunteer work with an organization? Mm. Join them. If you are aware that there is you are lacking in the area of service to the needy, try and find people that you see that they have a passion for that. And then on the flip side, I, I would I would encourage the listeners to do the same. If you are always around people that Obviously, their main focus is simply acts of service and maybe not having a deeper spiritual connection, mm -hmm. um, either through Bible study or through group studies, mm -hmm. or um, maybe they, they don't invest that much uh, of their time and their energy into spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Maybe find someone that you know who loves to memorize verses, someone who mm -hmm. really likes to do Bible studies. Go with them uh, to their Bible studies. Find time for that spiritual growth as well on top of what other areas it is that you feel. But I think until we realize where we are at, it's very hard for us to see mm. the areas that we can allow grow to grow and to mm. deepen and to just enhance in, in our in our Christian walk. But if mm. we have a look at Christ's example, he was there to rebuke mm. the people that were in apostasy. He was yeah. there to help people, you know, find the truth. He was there for all of that. But then he was also there for the needy and he was always mm. there willing to help those that that, sure. you know, are suffering very heavily the the uh, consequences of sin. Mm. Um, and mm. that's where we want to be. Absolutely. Let me share with you some fan research. I think you brought these five people around you being the most influential people in your life. Hopefully um, one of those or at least an entity in your life will be God, you know, fixing our eyes on Jesus and having love and mercy and justice. Have you ever met or noticed that couples some, somehow over time become alike? Sometimes even physically, it looks like they, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So it's it's been an yeah. uh, it's been an urban legend, urban myth, and, and so people were interested. You know, big universities they have been interested in this, and they have done some research about it about the, the genotypical aspects of why are we like how we are. And so what they found is that indeed couples become alike over time. They become more similar. They are mm. they seem to become more similar to to start becoming more alike, and so. They, they, and what they found is the more they're close together, the more the couple loves each other, the closer they are to each other, the more affection they show towards each other, the more they are alike, which makes some sense, right? Mm -hmm. The more by beholding we become changed, the more we are with the person, the more we become like mm -hmm. them. And so I, I have that experience in, in, in my life, you know, I am not necessarily somebody who cries easily, but uh, over the years, my wife is very sentimental. And, um, and over the years, I have found myself in weddings sharing tears. And I'm thinking, mm. I look into myself, I like to self-reflect <laughs> a lot. And I'm, Daniel, what's wrong with you? And I think mm. like, you know, I, and I like that because mm. I do desire that. That's something that complements me, something that I lack and, and, and I appreciate. Yeah. It. And I think that's yeah. God's working through my wife to yeah. reach me and change me. But this is the interesting thing in yeah. terms of the research, yeah. you know, uh, some of these researchers unpack the idea of DNA the, and, and how DNA change over time. They actually concluded that the reason for this phenomenon to take place is not that people are actually that different at all. Uh, they actually concluded, they found out that couples are actually very similar, but they don't admit they're similar. Over time, they become more like what they desire to be and what they internally are. And so they start to be looking more like each other. They found that, so we start mm -hmm. to look like each other because in some way we are already like each other. And this is the mm -hmm. thing, this is the interesting mm -hmm. thing. Guess what? Guess in whose image we are made. In, in image God's of, image. In God's image. So we already have a head start, I think. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that this research mm. applies to this stuff. What I'm saying is that it's a very interesting application that we already made in God's image. Uh, I know that mm -hmm. we have messed up. Mm -hmm. I know that I messed up through the fall and through the things, the, the traps that Satan's, Satan puts in my way, as well as the traps that I put in my own way. But we are microchipped in our DNA to be in God's image. There is still residues of that. Of that. Mm. So I, I do truly believe, and I have seen yeah. it, that as, as we behold Christ, the changes become quicker than we even suspect. The changes become actually a lot mm -hmm. quicker. I have seen people who have changed over time on mm -hmm. habits that they have been living with forever. And yet we are here in, in our clinical practice trying to help these people. And it, it, they change, but it takes a mm. lot longer. So God can make a quicker job mm. uh, at many of these mm. things. Mm. Yeah, I would like to yeah. encourage our listeners to think about that. At the end of the day, fix your eyes on Christ, who will help you out. He will help you out to know, mm. hey, this is the areas that you need. This is the areas that you like. Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts about that? I think just encouraging everyone to self-assess like you do. Like, where do I spend the bulk of my time mm. and how do I spend it and how does that reflect all aspects of Christ and his ministry and God's character mm. um, and I think as you prayerfully do that and as you intelligently process through that um, yeah God will show you the areas that you know maybe you you aren't lacking in mercy maybe you are a very merciful and caring person mm. and maybe there's other areas that he wants to grow you more spiritually mm. um, and then the reverse is applicable maybe he's like no you know what you got the spirituality and this you know biblical 
knowledge really well mm. worked out. You you have a great understanding of that, but I need you to be more more merciful mm. um, and more aware of that the injustices that are experienced in this world because I desire for there to be justice mm. in this life and in the life to come. Awesome. I think we can we could conclude in there. There is this quote that is in the Sabbath school lesson that I it, it touched me and I would like to share it here. It's from the Bible commentary and it says, Worship is not only inwardly focused, but something that brings blessing to all those around the worshipers of God. To eliminate intolerance and oppression and to promote justice, liberty, and peace. Mm -hmm. Let us think about that idea. It's a challenging idea that worship is not only inwardly focused, but it's something mm. that brings a blessing to every single person around us. With that in mind, Catalina, mm. do you have our weekly encourager? Do you have uh, yes. who, where, what, and why? Okay, so this is where back in Australia. Okay. Maybe I'm a little biased. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or maybe we're just doing a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's Warwick Community Van. Right. So that is run by the Warwick Seventh-day Adventist Church. Wow. And I must say, I am like, I'm so proud of this little church because I know what it is to have a country church. Yeah. Um, and I know it's limited in resources, in manpower. But Warwick Church runs a Warwick community van and they are opening 4th of August is their official opening. Oh, wow. The lady that has pretty much been behind this, and I say behind this, but obviously we do know that she definitely would have a team of support behind her. Mm -hmm. Her name is Catherine Casalay, and she pretty much did a little um, article and they interviewed her for the record, mm -hmm. and it um, was for my ministry idea, I think it was. Okay. Um, and she just basically shared that there was some research that came up regarding depression and loneliness, and their church was like, how can we help people that are suffering through depression and loneliness? Mm. And, you know, the Holy Spirit just led them to this idea of starting a soup kitchen nice. and then the the idea just then just transformed into hey let's get a van mm -hmm. that can go out to the homeless people instead of the homeless people having to come to us for whatever reason they may not be able to come to us mm -hmm. so they they prayed about it they did a lot of fundraising they, right. they did Warwick's largest garage sale uh, where they had people from the wow. community donate goods yeah. uh, to help fundraise. Wow. Um, and, yeah, from then they got some government grants. Follow wow. them on Facebook. So they have a Facebook page, Excellent. which is Warwick Community Van. Um, or you can get on the, the church's Facebook page, which is Warwick Seventh-day Adventist Church. So that was really cool. Excellent. I just want to remark something here as you spoke about this, because many of our listeners don't have a clue with Warwick. It's you alluded to the idea of a country church. Let me tell you, whoever listens to this, who doesn't know where Warwick is. Warwick is a little town inland in Queensland. Yeah. And uh, in Australia, the more inland you go, the smaller you get, usually. I mean, a past to womb, at least in that area. And so it's very little and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. Last week, we talked about the Greater New York Conference. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a huge, massive conference. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. You could be big like them or you could be little like Warwick and do amazing things for Christ. Thank you for sharing that, Catalina. Now, a challenge. I would like to bring a challenge. So this week... I'm bringing a challenge back to the spiritual idea of beholding Christ. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping that by doing this, we're going to learn more about him, about his character, about how to live practically, thinking of feeding the hungry, comforting the suffering, constantly the afflicted. I'm hoping that this challenge will bring back the idea that doing all those practical things mean very little compared to what Christ did for us. So let us behold him. And so I challenge you all mm -hmm. to read every day for the next seven days, 
only seven days. Pray about this. Pray over what you read so that you can have a great understanding. Some of you might have already read this chapter of the Bible. But every day for the next seven days, Isaiah 53. It's a short chapter. It's very short, actually. It's, it won't take you more than five minutes. And I would like to encourage you to do it every day, every morning, uh, when you wake up, if you're going on the train, if you're going on a bus, if you're going if you're going on your own car, maybe don't read it. You have an audio Bible, do that. But I would like to encourage you to behold Christ prayerfully and his character and what it means for you today. Isaiah 53. 53. Isaiah 53. Okay. You got it? It does. It only has 12 verses. It only has, so, there yeah. you go. I have a big chunk highlighted, look. All right. The 12 of them? <laughs> so, no, no. Six to, six to 11, six I Six to 11. So. All right. Yeah. yeah. So check All it right. out. Sounds Behold good. Christ daily. All right. With that in mind, I think it's a fair thing to farewell everybody. And thank you, Catalina. Thank you for sharing your insights and your experiences. I appreciate it. And we will catch you again next week in another episode of Having Adventist Reflections related to our Sabbath school. Until then, I am Dr. Dancy, and today I choose to love God by beholding whom He is daily. What about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.